Welcome to Career Console, your podcast destination for navigating your career journey. We will talk about how to plan and manage your career and you can benefit from the real life experience of professionals. Wherever you are in your career journey, this show will help you move forward with confidence. I am Paddy and I am joined by my co-host Praveen and each of us has more than 20 years of experience working across industries functions and geographies on today's show we will be talking about personal effectiveness so what is personal effectiveness to me it is the ability to operate at your best in any given situation or at least most of the time you are operating at your best it's called personal effectiveness because this is one aspect of your performance that you cannot completely detach from who you are as a person in your life and outside of work for example if you are someone with a positive attitude you are someone with a positive attitude at work as well as outside of work so some of the things that we are going to talk about today are are things that will apply at work of course but these are also things that define who you are as a as a person you know often you you cannot control the environment or the work culture of a particular organization you do not have a direct control over it personal effectiveness is important because no matter what whichever environment you are in how do you bring out the best in you that's why personal effectiveness matters in my mind often when i say that you cannot completely control the environment that you are in you can still influence the environment that you are in so as your personal effectiveness improves it influences others also to do better at their jobs and then it sort of becomes a virtuous cycle yeah i i, I do think that personal effectiveness eventually leads to what i call as professional excellence and and we all owe it to ourselves to start with the things that we can control and and make a difference in this episode we are going to talk about three aspects of how we can develop personal effectiveness and and do our best regardless of the circumstances and the situation the first is having a positive mindset which is really about how you think the second is translating that into productive and decisive behavior which is how you act and the third is then focusing on building healthy and and uh, mutually respectful relationships at work which is how you interact with other people So let's go through these three components uh, on our show today. Mindset, behavior and relationships. So let's start with uh, let's start with having a positive mindset. Take pride and ownership in whatever you do at work. Your work carries your signature and you need to make sure that it's it's worth it. A lot of times we hold ourselves back from giving 100% because we think that the task or the activity that we are doing is is not the most important thing that that can be done even seemingly mundane and irrelevant tasks can still teach us something so you should never ever do a shoddy job of whatever whatever you are asked to do i'll also caution there is a lot of focus these days on finding meaning and purpose at work but don't take meaning and purpose so seriously that you start using it as an excuse to put out a shoddy work product 
whatever job is given to you start by start by doing your best so what i talk a little bit about having or taking pride in your own work so in the early days think of an artisan think of a carpenter or a sculptor who would be doing uh, his his work they took a lot of pride in what they did whatever they came up with but somewhere during the industrial revolution you know when manufacturing in large scale manufacturing came into being people only got to do a very small portion of of the whole job and it became extremely mechanical and and so that whole point of taking pride in 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 your own work sort of went away but i believe in the information age things are slightly different you now can take ownership of the thing that you are doing and and really uh, you know it you know it doesn't matter i mean i give an example of something like a software engineer a software engineer might might be working on a particular module or maybe designing a particular piece of software that goes in that goes into the hole but regardless that piece or that particular code that you are writing is extremely important it is extremely important to the to your client which in turn actually has an impact on the world as well keep that in mind when they when they do their job and and never ever think that your job is completely inconsequential i mean an interesting uh, quote that i heard and and this was when i was working with netapp uh, the, the the then ceo of netapp george kurian used to say you know you tell all the developers that you know each of you should think of yourselves as sort of michael angelos that you're trying to build this new digital masterpiece it is true only one person cannot build the entire digital masterpiece but all of them are contributing towards this large digital masterpiece i would like for, for individuals to think that you know whatever whatever they do has a consequence in the world and then take pride in that and and i think and i think that is the right way to approach your job yeah and and sometimes i i hear this refrain that i'm, I'm not able to do my best because i don't enjoy what i am doing uh, but if i were in a role where i did enjoy what i was doing i'll i'll do better uh, i i really think that's that's a, that's a weak excuse and and my challenge to myself and and anyone else who who's thinking like that is let's first do a good job of what we are asked to do now and then ask for the work that we really desire if you do a good job of what you are asked to do now we will have a much better chance at at getting the job that you desire rather than saying i'm a poor performer today because i don't like what i'm doing but give me something that i like and i'll show you i'm a top performer it's it's very hard to sell that argument i also think that what we do shouldn't overly matter in determining how we do it uh, we should always do a good job of of whatever we are doing and you can look around for inspiration every day in our in our daily life and for me at least it's a thrilling feeling when i interact with people from all walks of life who seem to really care about their work and it happens in in day to day situations all the time uh, sometimes you run into a salesman at a supermarket or a waiter at a restaurant or a, or a carpenter or a plumber and and you see that they really care about their job and they want to do a really good job of it and when you when you encounter people like that it's it's very inspirational you can tell by looking at them that they're really enjoying what they're doing seeing them in action sort of puts a smile on my face let's not 
focus too much on the job or the activity that we are asked to do in, in determining how well we should do it. Rather start with this concept that I'm going to do the best that I can of whatever I'm asked to do. That sort of leads into the second thing that I that 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 we want to talk about in, in this area of mindset. If you want to really connect the dots of how what you do in an organization really matters uh, to the overall success of the organization, it's critical that that you understand the big picture. You need to understand how your organization makes money. What's what's the business that your organization is in? What is the value that that your organization is providing to its clients and customers? Let's start with the simple question. Why do customers come to your organization versus going to going to the competition? Is it because you have a certain expertise that no one else has? Are you delivering products with better speed and efficiency? Do you have stronger relationships with your customer base? Are you more reliable? Uh, you need to understand that and, and that will help you see your role in making your organization successful. So that's a, that's really interesting, Paddy. This whole looking at the big picture, I sometimes refer to as what is the context of your business? And this is extremely important, no matter which function you are in. And, and I've seen people come and say, hey, you know, I'm in the HR function or I'm in a finance function. I really don't care about the business that we are in. Mine is really a horizontal function which can fit in anywhere. I, I beg to differ on that. You can always do your job better if you knew the, the full business context. What is it that is important for your company? How is your company doing? Why do customers come to you? Just like you said, right? And while some of these things, it is easier if, if your management actually explicitly states it. But I don't think you should just leave it up to the management. You can always go and ask these questions uh, and, and say that, hey, I would like to know more uh, about what do we do? How, how are we adding value to a customer? And then it is upon you to, to internalize it and to think about how you can do your job better, keeping those things in mind. And I think you become a, a better employee, a better manager when you do that. Uh, that, that has been my, my experience, Pani. Yeah, I think I think one one effective way to start on this is is to understand your customer, right? Who who is the ultimate customer of the organization, and and why are they engaging with you? And and if we start thinking of them and take an outside in approach, it it becomes much easier to connect the various dots uh, within the organization and and how they all align. You mentioned one thing, Praveen, about some roles or or some functions thinking that maybe they don't have as much of a direct influence uh, as some other roles in the success of the organization. My way of looking at it is those roles exist in the organization because, because they have a certain value. I mean, there are very few organizations out there that are, that are I guess, <laughs> stupid enough to uh, have roles that don't make sense. Every organization has defined roles in a certain way because the leadership and, and the uh, executive sees that those roles add value. Uh, sometimes it's not entirely clear, but I think that's where the context of what we are talking about is important is try to find out if you don't know. In modern day organizations, people are often referred to as the assets of, of the organizations. 
just want to do a reality check here. We define an asset as, as something that generates value uh, to the organization. And if you are calling people uh, as assets, I would I would like to challenge us to say, are are you being an asset? Which means, are you generating value? How are you generating value every day? That's a good frame of reference to to look at how you are making a positive difference in the organization that you are in, and which will also make a positive difference to your customers and, and to the broader ecosystem. Absolutely, Paddy. I, I, I truly believe that, that uh, every person, every employee should uh, keep that in mind. In fact, that how is he or she an asset to an organization? I mean, in the case of, let's say in the case of HR, you may again think this is a, this is a horizontal function. It doesn't matter what business are we in and so on. But But let me take an example. Let's say you work in an HR in a in a startup, which is a you know let's say a smaller technology-related startup. Your job is probably to find the best talent at a rate that is affordable, that a that a that your company can afford, and also fits in into that particular company's culture, which is very different from let's say if you're working in some other company, let's say larger MNC, and that is why context of of what the company is doing is extremely ex- extremely important. Yeah, and I think that that sort of takes us to the next uh, aspect of mindset. Uh, what I would call is building a solution mindset. It's often easy enough to spot a problem, but can you come up with a solution or can you sort of switch the frame so that you're focusing on what can be done? The common situations that we see are a client wants the project completed in half the time or maybe at half the cost. Rather than immediately responding and saying, oh, well, that cannot be done. Can you pause and think of how can it be done? What do we need if we want to deliver a project in half the time or half the cost? We may still end up with with constraints, but now at least you're saying that, okay, if you give me A, B, and C, then I can do it versus saying, oh, there's no way that it can be done. A couple of commonly known examples jump to mind as, as I think of the solution mindset. I vividly remember when when Apple was building the first iPhone and they decided to leave out the physical keyboard. There were a lot of naysayers who, who pointed that not having a physical keyboard was going to be a problem. At that time, all the smartphones that were out there had a physical keyboard. But rather than looking at not having a keyboard as a problem, what Apple did was they just made sure that their touchscreen functionality and the on-screen keyboard was really good uh, so that the users would never miss the physical keyboard at all. There were similar concerns again uh, when cell phones started shipping with batteries that were not replaceable by users, but that's only an issue if you need frequent battery replacement. So try not to let the current constraints bog down your thinking. And, and look at solutions and, and look at ways in which the current constraints can be overcome. That will help you identify ways in which you can add value and which you can be productive. I also want to talk a little bit about growth mindset and, and also how to avoid being a victim. So growth mindset is a, is a term that is coined by Carol Dweck, who's a psychologist in, in Stanford. And she's written a wonderful book uh, called Growth Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. She defines 
two different kinds of mindsets. One is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Fundamentally, somebody who has a fixed mindset assumes that your character, your intelligence, your ability, all of these things are inherent in you and it's fixed and then it doesn't change over a period of time. Now, if you have that mentality, what happens is anytime you have a success, you think that that has been validated. You know, your, your inherent ability has been validated. When you have a failure, you feel that that is it. This is all, this is all you can do. And hence you sort of, you, you do not take enough risks in life because you think this is, this is all I can do and this is all I'm capable of. And you are in this little zone uh, where you're comfortable in. And people who are growth mindsets are people who believe that their abilities are not inherent. They believe that your abilities can grow and can change over a period of time. And, and people like that, they believe that every failure, let's say you, you end up in a failure, they, they feel that, okay, I've learned something from this. The next time I'm going to be better because my, uh, you know, whatever the skill that I have is not, it's not just inherent, I can acquire new skills and, and, and I, can, I can get better at it. And they're also open to criticism because they feel that that is a, that is a learning opportunity, right? And interestingly, many of the people who have growth mindset, they also take inspiration from other success. When, when somebody else is successful, they feel that, hey, I can learn from this particular person. And, and that, is, that is how I'm going to uh, sort of improve my performance. And, and she has studied people from various uh, areas, including sports and, and professional, you know, professional life and, uh, and even relationships. And, and she has come to the conclusion that the people who tend to succeed are people who have this growth mindset. That's one. Um, second thing also I want to discuss is a little bit about some of this victim mentality, right? I've come across many, many people and, and often, you know, even myself, I, where I've said that, hey, you know, when I fail, I couldn't have made it any better. I was just a victim of the circumstances. That sort of leads into self-pity and, and then you just, you're sort of in this uh, in this hole where you think uh, you know the world is conspiring against you and I'm I'm just a victim of all of these circumstances. I can't and I can't do anything. When you get into such a mentality, I would say you know just hit the reset button, right? This this is the time. You you're not your thought process is not correct. Just hit the reset button and think: Have you done everything in your ability to change what can be changed? A lot of times, even in a team or an organization context, things like promotion, for example, are, are seen as a zero-sum game. There's one role to be got. If my colleague is going to get it, then I'm going to lose out. Or if I'm going to get it, he's going to lose out. But that really is an outcome of a thinking where you assume that the size of the team or the size of the organization remains static. I mean, both of you can get the promotion if you can double the size of the team or double the size of the business. And that's the mindset that we are talking about. If you're if you're willing to uh, let go of the the current constraints and, and the current patterns and be bold enough to really think outside the box and think in a way that can change the rules of the game, then growth is there to be had. So we talked about the mindset that that one needs to have to be personally effective. Now let's talk about 
the behavior, which is essentially translating that mindset into action. Are your actions and behavior productive and goal driven? You need to set direction and define goals so you know whether you are heading in the right direction. And you need both short term goals as well as long term ones. Long term goals are obviously necessary so you know what you want to achieve a year from now, two years, three years, five, ten years from now. But I've seen a lot of people neglect short term goals. Short term goals are key because they help you keep your day to day momentum and give you the sense of accomplishment and success when you complete those smaller tasks. Uh, but you have to be careful not to fall into the trap of short term goals, which I have seen some people do who are very content with checking off things on a to do list and, and feeling satisfied and accomplished that they don't pause to reflect and ask themselves. Are these goals helping me move in the right direction and progress? And that's where long term goals give you that opportunity to pause and, and reflect and see where you're going. I want to talk about this aspect of reflection, and I, I believe it is extremely important. It is not enough that you have made a list of short term and long term goals. It's extremely important that you, uh, you know, you take time off and then think about what have you achieved, what have you not achieved, and, and how can you be better? How can you be better in, in the short term as well as in the long term? What I have tried doing is, at the at the end of you know every quarter you know i i've tried to think about you know what are the what what were the short term goals that i had for that particular quarter and have I, have i been able to achieve that and what can i do better and often most companies have quarterly goals and this is probably a good time to actually reflect upon how your quarter has been and not just on your professional goals that is part of your okrs but also on your personal goals and on a longer term, I usually take you know, time off towards the end of the year and really think about what have I achieved that particular year and what can it be, what can be done better and so on. One of the things I want to point out is reflection is not always a very sort of happy process. It is a, it is a process where you need to sort of critically evaluate on, on what has what you have achieved, what you have not, and what are the mistakes that you may have made and how can you make it better? Also, you know, again, coming back to sort of the growth mindset, if you have that sort of mindset that, hey, this is, you know, this is there for me to learn, uh, I, th I think it becomes a little less painful. You all often look forward to doing something like that. Yeah, one thing that's that's really helped me personally with, with goal setting is to, is to seek help and feedback uh, from people that I trust, who I look up to as mentors. Because this can often be a, a confusing exercise. There isn't really a perfect recipe for success. Uh, a lot of times you could be faced with the choice of, is this what I want to do next year or should I be doing something else? Should I be going after uh, aggressively after my career goals or should I be focusing on my personal goals? How long do I keep doing it, etc.? So this can be a this can be an iterative process and usually finding someone that you can talk to openly and transparently and, and who has your best interests at heart uh, can be very, very helpful in this process. A lot of people may not have a clear direction of what I want to do in five years from now, 
but don't let that stop you from defining goals have something at least that you set in stone and pursue it and if you realize somewhere during the process that i thought this is what i wanted but now i realize that i'm not really enjoying it this is not what i want to do feel free to change it but at least have something as a goal so that your action and your behavior is is driven by a certain outcome and is not a random happenstance because someone is asking you to do something all the time the advantage of setting clear goals both long term as well as short term is it gives you a basis to focus and say that okay i'm i'm doing this because this is what i said i'm going to do and i'm going to say no to something because that's really part not part of my goal if you don't have a goal then you don't know what you should be taking on and what you should be leaving out goals also really help you manage your time and energy uh, you should avoid this activity trap we actually feel uh, uncomfortable if you are not engaged in activity but don't don't let that discomfort drive you into randomly filling up your day or filling up your calendar with tasks that don't really matter if you do find yourself with nothing to do use this use that as an opportunity to learn something new or use that as an opportunity to pause and reflect uh, sharpen your skills or or even if you have nothing to do just take a break and and reenergize yourself but resist the temptation to to fill your day with activities because it gives you a sense of false importance or or accomplishments tadi i feel most of us confuse urgency and importance we almost always spend way too much time on urgent stuff and urgent but not important stuff uh, but very little time on on important stuff but which may not be that urgent so i've seen you know in organizations people are constantly sort of in this firefighting mode and part of it why they are in a firefighting mode is because you're always prioritizing sort of urgent stuff and there is no time to do sort of important stuff which may not be urgent so there won't be a fire in the first place what i would suggest is you know every time you know you get into this activity trap just pause do you need to do that that email do you need to really send out that email you know would it make a difference do you need to answer that email right away or or is it something that you can wait uh you know just just pause reflect on it before you actually spend time on that right the the, the second thing on on time management is also uh want to talk about some of these digital distractions right but of course digital distractions often you know when people talk about digital distractions they they mean checking on the phone all the time checking whatsapp and so on but even if without the phone it could be as simple as you know checking your emails all the time and and making sure you're responding your emails in a very prompt manner is it really required that every email needs to be answered uh, within a very very short span of time uh, across all functions probably not there may be functions where you need to respond to emails because you know it may be a client email or something like that and you need to respond quickly but there are some other functions where some of these things can wait and and you need not sort of go and and you know stop whatever you are doing at that particular moment and then respond to emails and related to that it's it's a concept called flow and and flow really is a 
it is for this undistracted time where all your mental faculties are the sharpest and and you can do your most productive work right you have to get into this flow at least a few hours a day because that is what is that is what is productive work and and that is what is going to take you forward right so all these dis- digital distractions uh, come in the way of flow and that is something that you should really be wary about i second that praveen outlook and skype and and these types of things have become ubiquitous in organizations today uh, it's somehow expected that you are always online on an whatever instant messaging messaging software is being used in the organization and that's fine but but i certainly i certainly do it personally where there are times during the day where i exit outlook i exit instant messaging and i am doing uh, what is probably the most important thing and i don't want any distractions and my experience has been that you can be off email for a couple of hours and and usually there isn't anything so urgent that something requires a reply within an hour or two of course there could be some things that are really urgent and have to be responded immediately but those are less than 5% of the emails that you get so don't let that exception sort of drive the norm uh, if you're working on something important give that your complete attention a great way of doing that is to just exit the Uh, the mail client and exit the im software so that there are no distractions and even when when we are in an office environment sometimes distractions can also come in the form of people who may drop in to check in on you or or they want to go for a break and and they're sort of wanting to take you along uh, it's totally appropriate to find a quiet place in the office lock yourself up in a meeting room or go and sit in a quiet corner in a cafeteria where no one can find you but do what you can to create an environment where you are minimizing these distractions and and you will certainly find that you will be more successful in hitting that concept of flow and what would normally take you maybe couple of hours to do uh, you may find that you are able to do it in half an hour because you are giving it your undivided attention i would at least say that if not turn off your mail client at least keep your notifications off <laughs> you know at the minimum just keep all the notifications off and and those notifications have gotten worse because those notifications not only say a new email has come it also shows you who it has come from and and gives you a preview of the message and and it's very hard to resist the temptation to click on that uh, so i have definitely turned off my notifications and there is even a setting in your mail client where you can set it so that new emails only come every 5 or 10 minutes and and that's all that also helps you reduce those uh, reduce those distractions take control of your schedule in a in a very proactive manner and and don't let projects work in a manner where things are happening to you versus you are in control of course in any given project Uh, there are circumstances that are driven by external factors the client didn't provide data on time or the development team took longer than than what they said they would and that is going to result in in a compressed time frame for you to do what you need to do so certainly there are actors that are that are doing these things but even in those situations you can still be on top of things if you know ahead of time that there is going to be a delay 
and use that information to plan your time and, and days better uh, when you need to versus being blissfully ignorant of the delays and then realizing that, okay, there is a deadline next week and therefore uh, I'm going to work 20 hours for the next five days. And that can be a disaster because you have not planned your life or you have not planned your day around it. Even when there are things that are not in your control that are causing delays or that are causing rework or that are causing some of these firefighting issues, if you can stay on top and, and at least see them coming your way, you'll be in a better position to respond rather than be caught completely by, by surprise. Praveen, the next thing that I that I wanted to talk about in terms of behavior is is the ability to operate in a in a mode where you are continuously focusing on improving yourself. And I see this as a as a necessity and not something that's optional, uh, both for the organization as well as for the individuals. And if I may, I'm going to I'm going to sort of take a little bit of a broader outlook here. I think continuous improvement is is almost like a law of nature uh, because even in life we equate age with maturity because we expect that as people grow older they learn new things and and they get and they get better as a person so the same thing applies to all of us too as as we are spending more time in an organization the expectation is that we are getting better the expectation is that we are growing the expectation is that we are picking up new things uh, so I see this really as a as a necessity. And I also say that because I want you to think of this question. If we don't improve as individuals, then how do we expect the organization or even the world to improve as a as a collective? Because ultimately it's a it's a summation of our individual growth and our individual capabilities. So my takeaway on this is to focus on growth not just because it will get you the next promotion or the next hike or the next big assignment, but because lack of growth or lack of progress actually leads to uh, degeneration and decay of our mental faculties. I mean, it's similar to unused tools like a, like a hammer or a knife. I mean, if you don't use it long enough, it's going to get blunt and, and become quite useless. How do you really get to continuous improvement? One aspect of this is where you're thinking every day I need to be better at what I do than what I was doing yesterday. And, and that over a period of time compounds and, and that makes you much better uh, and, and, a, and a much more uh, efficient resource, a much more effective resource. And, and you, became, you become much more valuable to your, to your employee. I mean, interestingly, uh, you know, compounding is such an interesting concept that, and it's such a powerful tool that if you compound, if you were able to improve your efficiency just by 1% every day, you get to some 37 times the efficiency over a period of a year. So make sure sort of that compounding effect is, is in play. The way you make sure is, you know, just keep in mind every time you're doing a task, keep in mind what is it that you did last time and how how can you make it better it goes back partly to the partly to the growth mindset that we were talking about also it goes back to the reflection that we talk about every time you you're done with the task if you're able to reflect on and and see what is it that I could have done better that makes you much more efficient and and much more effective uh, as an employee
Yeah, someone someone told me this uh, long ago, and and I still vividly uh, remember that uh, the the question to ask yourself is, if you have been doing your role for a year, do you have one year worth of experience doing that, or do you just have one day's experience repeated 365 times? Get better every day, even if you're only getting better by a small percentage. That still uh, that still adds up. Growth happens on on the journey to to your goal, not after you have accomplished it. So, for example, if you are a team member trying to get to a team leader, you grow in that process of going from a team member to a team leader. Just because you get promoted as a team leader, you're not suddenly and miraculously going to wake up with all the skills that you need to operate as a team leader. So you need to build those skills bit by bit and step by step while you are making that journey towards your goal. So continuous improvement or the mindset of continuous improvement also helps you in that behavior. One of the other things that I want to talk about in behavior is about being proactive and and sort of leaning in. If you've noticed, people who have had successful careers, who have grown faster in their careers, uh, it may not necessarily be the most technically accomplished person. It it may not be the, the most hardworking person. Often I've seen that people who have grown in their career are people who have been enterprising and people who have who have not shied away from taking on new challenges and who have been proactive in seeking out these new challenges. So I believe that is something that is extremely important uh, for your career and, and also for the organization. I would say... Uh, if you're interested in, in in doing something different, you know, go ahead and, and ask for that assignment. Don't shy away from it. And also, as you grow in your career, uh, one of the things to, to, to keep asking yourself is, can I anticipate the needs that is coming from my organization better? If you can anticipate the needs from your organization better, you will be better prepared and, and you could do all the homework beforehand. Uh, right, and and that is something that uh, that is, in my opinion, a big part of uh, being proactive and and making a difference to the organization. In the last section of the show, we'll we'll focus on building and maintaining healthy relationships because so much of today's work is done in teams. How you interact with people and the relationships you form with them are an important element of of your own personal effectiveness. Uh, So the first thing that comes to mind when talking about relationships and interacting with people is how do we deal with conflicts? Because conflicts are are natural and unavoidable whenever there is a situation where a group of people are working together, there's there's diversity in ideas, there uh, uh, there is different points of view. We, we, we have a put out an entire episode on how to effectively and productively deal with conflicts at the workplace. Uh, I suggest our listeners check out that episode. But what I'm going to say here is two things. One, conflicts are unavoidable and they must be dealt with in a professional manner. And the second thing when de- dealing with conflicts is try to focus on the issue at hand and try to resolve the issue rather than uh, trying to fix the person with whom you're having a conflict. Uh, The second aspect of building healthy relationships in my mind and in my experience comes from seeking regular feedback. We try to think we have sharp memories, 
but our memories are actually very very short i can bet you that you don't remember what you had for lunch last saturday so therefore it's it's too much to expect that we would remember everything that we did in the last year and it's too much to expect that everyone else on the team remembers remembers what you did 6 months ago on the project the key here is uh, to keep a record of your accomplishments keep a record of your success as well as what you think didn't go so well and have frequent check-ins with with people on your team whether it be peers or whether it be your managers it's much safer when you initiate these conversations where you reach out to your manager and say hey it's been a couple of weeks since i'm working on this project just wanted to see how things are going here's what i think i have done well do you agree and here are some things that i think i'm struggling with i'm working on do you have any suggestions or do you have any ideas for me to get better at this and it's much safer if you initiate this conversation rather than wait for the other party because a lot of times when people hear and in or people see an invite come from a manager saying okay i want to meet with you and give you some feedback there's an anxiety that comes naturally because we almost always associate feedback with not such a good conversation one of the areas that i feel feedback is extremely important is 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 the areas that that you may be completely blinded on or it may be completely on a blind side you you may have certain behaviors uh, which you think is appropriate uh, for the workplace which you think gels well with the culture of the organization but but it may be you know for example it may be probably be too aggressive you may be coming across as too aggressive you may be coming across as somebody who is uh, impatient uh, you may be coming across as somebody who is soft in your communication often these things it is very difficult for you yourself to assess that and and that is that is where a, a good feedback from either your boss or even from your uh, colleagues can help uh, blind side is something that all of us have and and it is only through this feedback that you would get to know about uh, your blind sides if i can be perfectly candid here i've been given feedback uh, saying that i'm i'm a bit of a taskmaster and uh, i'm not that personable at the workplace but in my mind you know i thought i was the most personable guy in the workplace and i was not being too hard on people apparently you know the the perception was that 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 i was and i would never have thought about this and thought about at least correcting some of these things had i not gotten that feedback uh, directly right so think of feedback as something that is positive go ahead and seek out that feedback and that can only help you in in many cases i have seen people asking for feedback but often it is just a ploy <laughs> to uh, fish for more compliments or or just validate on on how good you are that itself is not going to help you much uh, you know think of uh, you know think of feedback as a way for you to improve yourself so what are some of the areas that you can work on uh, you know what may be some of the misconceptions that you may be able to uh, you may be able to clear out uh, or what are some of the some of the behavioral changes that you can do to to make you more effective you know often behavioral changes are are extremely important but in some cases it is just it just requires minor tweaking 
and 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 that is something that uh, you know that, that you would only get to know if you have the right feedback and i've actually also seen people who swing to the other extreme where they enter into a feedback session and and they only want to focus on uh, my development areas just tell me what i'm not doing well i just want to hear the bad news and and be done with it which i also don't think is a is a healthy approach uh, yes uh, it's good that that you are willing to focus on your development needs and and make things better but uh, praveen the blind spots that you were referring to i have seen can also can also exist with respect to strengths sometimes we don't even know or we don't ourselves know what our strengths are and and you may need someone else to tell you those strengths and it's important to know because it's it's important that you continue to demonstrate and leverage those strengths in the future so for example you may be someone that's really good at building relationships with people and you need to let people acknowledge and let you know that hey one of the things that you do really well is build relationships with clients and if you know that then you know that that's a strength that you must continue to demonstrate and leverage on on your uh, future engagements and work in order to be successful uh, so try to have that balance between recognizing and acknowledging your accomplishments and your strengths so that you can continue them on your future projects and future engagements and spending time to understand what it is that you can do better as 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 you move forward uh, one of the challenges that i see in these feedback conversations why they are maybe not as honest and transparent and as simple as they ought to be is a lot of times these feedback discussions somehow in our mind are linked to performance ratings it's almost like an unwritten rule that if my manager tells me that i'm not good at something and i accept that that's almost like giving a license to my manager to cut my performance ratings because okay i admitted that i'm not good in these areas i mean that's a challenge that, that requires both sides uh, to come together but at least as a team member my suggestion and my experience in what you can do to avoid this is two things one have frequent discussions with your manager so it's not just once in 6 months or once in 3 months that you're reaching out to feedback if you're reaching out and asking someone for input every week it feels much less ominous when someone says you didn't do something well the second thing is if you're having these frequent conversations then there's also a great way where you can talk both about your successes as well as things that you need to focus on so that when the time for performance review comes there is a much more balanced picture of who you are as a as a professional the last thing that we'll speak about in in building relationships on today's show uh, is something that's very close to me personally be a giver and what i mean by that is be that person on the team who is there for others when they need you uh, be that person who is selfless be that person who is willing to help and willing to support be the one that takes the first step to build relationships with people we all like uh, like it when someone reaches out to us we all like it when we are having a bad day and maybe we are not our normal selves and someone comes in and checks in and says hey is everything okay with you you don't seem to be fine uh, we don't expect that person to solve our problem but that gesture goes a long way in lifting our spirits so if you see someone else is having an off day then then just reach out to them and see if everything is okay 
do not let the behavior of the people around you overly influence your own behavior and your own character you should be nice and you should do the right thing regardless of the provocation i often hear people say i am nice to people who are nice to me and i am nasty to people who are nasty to me i think that's a, that's a smart or a shrewd uh, way of saying it but it just means that you don't have control over your character in my mind uh, of course you don't need to take you don't need to tolerate uh, someone's nastiness but you don't need to change your own behavior just to reflect who the other person is a lot of times people think that being generous is is risky because you can be taken advantage of generosity is not timidity it actually requires a lot of courage in order to be generous and this fear of being exploited or left behind if you are a nice person i think in my mind is vastly overblown let me ask you a question would you think of exploiting a nice person who is always happy to help you who's always there when you when you need that person would you ever think of exploiting such a person and if the answer is no if you're saying why would i ever do that i would never exploit that person then why do you think others are going to exploit you if you're that nice person so i would say this this fear of nice people get exploited is is overblown don't let that get into the way of of being the person that you want to be one of the practical advantages of being a giver really is you know it can help you in the long term finding your next job uh in in getting your next promotion and and so on uh you know we live in a networked world uh we come across our colleagues and ex colleagues uh in different uh you know in in different jobs uh in different companies it is important that your colleagues and ex colleagues are sort of your brand ambassadors you know let's say if you're applying for a new job you know your colleague should be able to uh help you or your ex colleague should be able to help you get that job and i've also seen that in many cases even in the case of promotions and so on it is easier if you are a giver uh to get a promotion as opposed to if you're not so the last thing i would say is really you know don't let minor issues like you know the fact that you have not been acknowledged for a for the particular job that you did or that you didn't get a particular promotion don't let these minor issues bother too much your career is a long term project of yours you are in a, you know you spend about 30 35 years in a workplace these minor issues are just just speed bumps on the road uh, right let it not uh, deter you from showing your true character and, and being kind and generous in your workplace Thank you for listening to our show. We wish you all the very best in your career journey. Please stay tuned for our next episodes. This is Paddy and Praveen signing off from Career Console.